Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to another Geek Town podcast. This week I've been talking to the producer Wandra Bertram. Along with director Gisela Balestias, they are producing a documentary called A Brief History of Time Travel. Uh, they talk to various people in uh, science and pop culture about um, pop culture's uh, fixation on time travel and scientists' efforts over the years uh, to make it a reality. They've managed to talk to people such as Bill Nye the Science Guy, um, the legendary games designer Tim Schafer, who's responsible for Monkey Island and Full Throttle and those classic old LucasArts games. They've also spoken to people like Daniel Wilson, who's the author of Robopocalypse. When I spoke to Wanda, um, they weren't actually funded on Kickstarter. They now are. They actually managed to get five grand over their funding, uh, which is fantastic news. So it means the documentary is definitely going ahead. Um, you can still get involved and you can still donate. There is a link on the post for this podcast, uh, which will take you to uh, their website and the donation page. As ever, if you want any more news or information about films or TV shows, come to our website at geektown.co.uk. Hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Wanda. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. <laughs> the last time I did a Skype call with somebody in England, I was interviewing for Oxford and it went horribly. <laughs> this will go a lot better, hopefully. Um, do you want to tell me a bit about the movie? Yeah. Uh, so the director, Gisela Bastias, was really, uh, this is really uh, her kind of brainchild. Um, she began working on this about three years ago when she saw a French movie called La Jete. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it involves a, it's a post-apocalyptic story of a man kind of going back in time through black and white photographs. Um, and it ended up inspiring 12 monkeys, but, uh, she was really interested in kind of how time travel, how the idea of traveling through time has impacted scientific research, but also pop culture and why we're so obsessed with it. Um, so this is a film about that. Um, so we've brought together interviews from physicists, pop culture, um, influencers, game designers, Everyone like that to kind of tell the story. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, how did you get involved with the project? Oh, <laughs> uh, I did not go to film school. I worked <laughs> for a long time at this place called the Northwest Film Forum in Seattle. Uh, and she and I met there. Giselle and I met there at a gala uh, several months ago. And she said, I, want, I need a producer on this film. And I said, great, I, I'm looking for a production job. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had actually been working. I was the editor of a science fiction journal when I was in college. So this was a pretty good fit for me. Um, we also um, 
Gisela also met our editor, Danny, at a Seattle film event. Um, but Danny is an editor down in Los Angeles, and she was really into Doctor Who, so it was a pretty, pretty natural match. <laughs> um, so you've have you always had a, an interest in, in time travel and that sort of sciencey thing, or was this kind of all completely new to you? <laughs> Both, I think. Um, I've I've always been interested in time travel. Um, I think definitely this is going to sound pretty morbid, but because it relates so much to our concept of kind of how short life is and how how fleeting our experience in the world is. Um, so philosophically and, and artistically, I've always been really really into it. Um, uh, and I love. I'm I'm just such a like I'm midnight in Paris and things like that. Going back in time to like meet with your idols. Like doesn't everybody like love that idea? <laughs> <laughs> Science-wise, I'm I have the science skills of a chimp, so this was really, <laughs> <laughs> it was really educational working on this movie because we got to interview a bunch of different scientists in all these different fields, um, and they would reference each other, which was really cool. Um, the coolest thing for me, besides uh, talking to scientists about um, their own theories about about time, was hearing them geek out over fictional theories about time. They're like, okay, let me tell you about, <laughs> let me tell you about the DeLorean and Back to the Future. And I'm like, you're a scientist. <laughs> but it was wonderful because that's what motivates a lot of people. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you look at I, I, I actually I was lucky enough to interview uh, George Takei a couple couple of years ago. Um, And we we got talking in that about um, uh, how Star Trek particularly influences, not necessarily time travel, but influences science in general. Um, And you look at a lot of the gadgets that we carry around now and look back at some of the old Star Trek stuff and, and how much those sort of shows... Um, seem to particularly Star Trek seems to influence the thing that scientists go on to then build. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's huge. You, you can't see me, but I'm nodding a lot. <laughs> There's a, I actually just saw this really cool. Uh, it was like an interview last night with uh, Nichelle Nichols, who was obviously she was a hero. Yes, yeah, yeah. Did you know that she was contracted out by NASA to go find the first women astronauts? <laughs> no, really. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why fantastic. I got into NASA because uh, Nichelle Nichols was like speaking at her school or something, and she was like, sure. <laughs> Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that's that. That part of it is is really fascinating to me. Um, the relationship between science fiction and science, because people, a lot of people, think it's pretty um, one directional, and you know, science influences science fiction. But there's a lot of reciproc- uh, reciprocity is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I was saying with the with the Star Trek kind of stuff, I, I suppose it, it sort of makes sense because um, people grow up, people that are going to go into things like science tend to grow up watching sci-fi shows. So, (laughs) so, you know, that when they get to a position where they can build things that they're going to be influenced by things that they saw in their youth and going, I wonder if I can build a tricorder. I wonder (laughs) if I I can build something that does this, you know? I know. I'm trying to think right now of things I've seen in Star Trek that I would really look forward to in real life. I mean, tons of things. I can't even pick just one. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, there's there's things like you know the 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 idea of having uh, universal you know, the communicators and and uh, pads in particular, because that always fascinated me when they they had different size pads for different. The, you know uh, uh, things, yeah. and I thought, what? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you have one large pad? And now, of course, everybody <laughs> has pads of different sizes, and you see totally like some picking pockets, some you can carry. <laughs> you know, there's totally reasons for it. You know, so yeah, so, I love yeah. that. 
<laughs> One of the coolest moments working on this film um, in an interview was when this author named Daniel Wilson, he wrote Robopocalypse, and we were talking to him about this kind of stuff. And he said, um, there's actually, at the company Intel, there's actually a wing of that company that hires science fiction writers just to imagine, kind of to be the liaison um, between <laughs> engineers and, and customers and kind of say, here's how a customer is going to expect this product to work, and here's what they're going to be looking for from futuristic technology, which I think is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. What a job that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like, it's probably a lucky strike for whoever that science fiction writer is. Like, thank this. Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever other career they're going to go into. Yeah. No, it was super cool. Um, how, how easy was it to, to get people to come and talk to you for, for, the, for this project? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it really depends. Um, actually, I think... Um, some of the it, wow. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna gather my thoughts. See if I can answer that a little bit more concisely. Um, some were really, really easy. Tim Schafer was a lot easier than I thought um, because really? he's kind of a, he was kind of a game legend. He's a yeah, he's a, a legend in the game design. Oh uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I know Tim. Sha- I know of Tim Schafer very well. I love his stuff. So <laughs> you know, it's good to talk to another fan. That's awesome. <laughs> so people are like, oh yeah, of course I know about him. And some people are like, who's that? And then I have to. Um, but uh, yeah, he emailed us back like five minutes later, and he was like, "Yeah, sure," um, which was super cool. Um, and but then there's some there's actually a there's actually a theoretical physicist who lives about ten minutes away from me theoretically, um, but hasn't been available over email for the last year, and nobody knows where he is. He's probably traveling through time right now. So that's kind of what. We're uh, yeah, it's it's hard to categorize what people were easy and what people were difficult to get a hold of. But once they once they did begin talking, this was the cool part. We would ask them about time travel, and at first they would be like, "Well, I'm not sure I have anything that your audience needs to hear." But then they would just start talking and talking and talking because everybody loves the subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it must be a very sort of popular, uh, almost water cooler topic for scientists, I guess. <laughs> of of <laughs> you know, imagining what could happen, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. Um. Are all the interviews done now, or are you still are there people you're still looking at trying to get? Oh yeah, um, there's a couple. Um, you might know the name Ronald Mallet. He's a he's a scientist who's been working on problems of time travel. Um, but then okay. there's also certain people in pop culture. Um, one of my favorite musicians, Janelle Monae. I thought she would be a really cool interviewee for the film because <laughs> she's done a lot of songs that are kind of uh, structured on the concept of time travel. But those are um, those are kind of the last couple of interviews we're trying to get. Everything else is done, which is cool. We're just uh, we're just getting getting the funding for post production right now. Yeah, speaking of funding, you you're less than six hundred bucks away from from uh, from getting the Kickstarter funded. <laughs> I know. I, I was doing a dance before we start call. Uh, so, so I, I'm I'm guessing that's that's probably gonna gonna get funding because you've got fifty two hours left. So and. Yeah. And you've Thanks. done you've done about five hundred bucks like in the last twenty four hours at least, I think. So Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm really um we're getting to the point where we're kinda of moving on to things like the poster design and the T shirts and and actually getting into editing. So I'm I'm really excited to move on to that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I, I was wondering because there's there's a couple of, of fairly prominent um UK scientist one in particular actually which I, I wondered if you'd managed to get hold of or if you'd heard of uh, is a guy called brian cox um brian, yes yeah. actually he used to be in a band right and now he does like yes his, yeah 
Yeah, it used we to be a band called D. Actually, that's funny you mentioned his name. Um, I think we tried a couple times and then we got overwhelmed with the the campaign, so we had to we had to stop trying for a while. Uh, that's that's a shame because he'd be absolutely brilliant, and he, he I know he he loves his time travel stuff. So <laughs> no, there's actually um, we've it's been it's been sad based states. I mean, it's been great because there's a lot to talk about here, but. Um, but our, our director is actually in the UK right now for a couple of days, um, and I know that she would love it if we could get over to uh, to uh, to England or to the UK or God, I'm getting it mixed up because I'm talking to you and I'm freaking out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but there's tons. I mean, Doctor Who too. I mean, there's a ton of stuff we'd love to get there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it must be easy. You, know, you you must be able to get hold of at least one of the old doctors. I would have thought. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, who would you like us to get a hold of? Uh, <laughs> you can- now, <laughs> um, see, I, I think out of all of them, I, I think Sylvester McCoy is probably going to be the most uh, interesting one for an interview. I would have thought. Mm, what? So, what makes you say that? Um, I, he's he's incredibly enthusiastic. He's a very very sweet guy. I know somebody who's uh, an actor in LA who, who has worked with him because he does um, uh, a lot of audio dramas. So he does a lot of the big Finnish audio dramas uh, and. Uh, He'd actually worked with Sylvester and said he's the sweetest, nicest man you will ever meet. Um, well, I love sweet interviewees; those are the best. So we'll we'll do our best to get in touch with them. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah the the other the other guy is a guy that works with Brian Cox quite a lot, but he's actually a stand up comedian. But I think he has a degree. He has some sort of science degree. I think he has a physics degree. He's a guy called um, he's an Irish comedian called Dara O'Brien, um, who would be brilliant as well. <laughs> Oh wow! See, you better send me this list of names because we're <laughs> we're we're done, but we're not done. You know, <laughs> it's always that's what's so fun about working on this film. It's that even you, you know, it's self-directed. So even when you're moving into new stages of it, you know, that doesn't mean you can't reach back and grab people and you know get in your time machine and go interview somebody else. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the guys. I, I, Neil deGrasse Tyson is the other guy, of course. Um, but I imagine he's slightly more difficult to get hold of. Yeah. Yes, he was in Seattle recently. Did a talk the closest we got to him was going to the talk right. um, but but I, uh yeah his agent just said explicitly mr degrasse tyson is not doing interviews right now <laughs> well um, that's a shame yeah um, I mean, it's, but we'll see i mean you know but perhaps if the film scales to that point i mean yeah i i i watched all of um his uh the recent cosmos series i thought that was superb mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i really liked it i I've watched a little bit of it, and I I grew up on the Carl Sagan Cosmos series, so it was really cool seeing that come back. Yeah, I I don't remember the Carl Sagan one. I was I mean I'm I'm what nearly forty, so but I, I don't remember it being as big a thing over here. But the uh, but yeah the the certainly the recent one. I like I like the use of animation and all that sort of stuff that they mixed in with it. it was really nice. Yeah, I think that's a great tool, not to cut in. I think that's a really good tool for expressing um, kind of scientific or science fiction concepts, and that's something that we're looking at doing in the film as well. We've got a lot of animation and motion graphics planned, which is going to be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are uh, have you got that, that um, started already? or We've got a little bit of it. Um, it's, mo- it's mostly kind of in, in kind of the theory, kind of laying the groundwork right now. We've got um, two main animators who are working with us. No, three. <laughs> a few days ago. Um, and they work really well together and... And um, so we know what their style looks like, but they haven't begun putting it together because it's it's actually kind of a I'm not sure if you've you've probably done some animation before, but it's kind of a hard process because you have to know exactly how long you need for audio and then, you know, uh, to put it 
to the animation. Yeah, I, I did some animation. My, my background in, in uh, web design, but my, my course at college was sort of doing all sorts of different things, and I did animation back there. Yeah, it, it is, it's a painstaking process, but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's always great when you see the final product, you know? So. It's beautiful, yeah. I'm really excited to see that work. Um, one, of our, one of our inspirations is this really short film called A Brief History of John Baldessari that's... No, no relation to the title, <laughs> but it just happens to be like that. Um, if you look it up on, on YouTube, it's just really amazing, really fast, um, fast cuts. So that kind of, it's that kind of animation and um, simple motion graphics that we're really going for. Oh, cool. Okay, I'll, I'll go and uh, see if I can find that. You also yeah. mentioned in the, uh, in the Kickstarter video, you mentioned about trying to get composers and, and uh, people involved. How, how are you doing with the music at the moment? Oh, my gosh. You know what's funny about having a Kickstarter is you get messages from a lot of musicians <laughs> <laughs> saying, we, we found your film. We happen to, to make music. <laughs> uh, would you like to, to partner with us? So we're not, um, we haven't nailed down um, people to do uh, large portions of the soundtrack. We have, um, we have some bands who are interested in writing one or two songs for us. So we've got that, we've got that planned out. Um, but that's one of the things that we're going to have some fun with after the campaign's over. Cool. Yeah. That, that's uh, I, I talk with quite a lot of musicians as well while I'm, I'm, doing these interviews because uh, yeah, I, I have a contact in uh, LA that, that deals with a lot of the TV musicians uh, TV composers so so uh, so yeah we I, I'm I was just kind of interested because because of that so oh yeah definitely I mean if you know anybody you'd recommend uh, yeah no there's a there's a, a, a few guys I, I'm not sure what their budgets would be like though that's the problem but uh, yeah, but <laughs> uh, there's one guy who I really like. Uh, there's a guy called Phil Eisler who does um, the um, soundtrack to the TV show Revenge. Um, cool. That he's he's fantastic. Um, uh, Nate Barr as well, who does some wonderfully strange things. Uh, he's he's the <laughs> composer for um, True Blood. So. Um, Oh yeah, wow! He's fantastic. He he's he has has a very odd range of instruments, some including human bones and uh, skulls oh. and things. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, right. um, great great sort of produces some amazing music. He does the Americans as well. Um, so it's it's kind of very odd, sort of slightly off the wall stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, very good. That stuff is awesome. I mean, we're definitely looking for uh, for composers, either a wide range of composers or a composer or two with wide ranges, because um, at least for me, I mean, what struck me throughout doing these interviews and doing a lot of re uh, research on the topic of time travel is just how much music and, uh, yeah, music kind of dates us, and um, and it, it is such a... Um, such a powerful icon of of what certain time periods mean to people, and half the people that we interview off the street saying, you know, where would you go if you could go anywhere, and why would you go there? Yeah. Say, oh, back to this era, so I could listen to this kind of music. So I think that bringing in music from all different eras and and, and styles is going to be really essential to the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, that makes sense. I guess if you're talking about a film about time time travel, you kind of want that throughout, really, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So going back to the fun. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, was there any particular reason you went for, for Kickstarter or decided that was the, the best way to, to get it funded? And how's the experience been of... of um, running through kickstarter oh man (laughs) um yeah kickstarter was it seemed like a good choice for us because we have really met so many people along the way of making this movie who've been interested in it and interested in helping us out so that's meant both that um that we felt like we had a pretty wide support base but also that um also that we're able to do post-production on a pretty lean budget because we've gotten this amazing outpouring of, of volunteer support um and uh, the other reason is just that, I mean, plain and simple, Giselle and I really think that crowdfunded filmmaking is a fantastic model. Um, I think, um, to, to put it in just a few words, filmmaking is entering into a really interesting new phase that I probably uh, can't analyze intelligently. <laughs> but it <definitely laughs> seems like uh, crowdfunding is going to be a really big part of that. And I, I believe that um, as audiences kind of become more community-based and as filmmaking is, or uh, going to a film is kind of a community uh, community event, I think it makes total sense to have um, film production or film financing be a community thing too. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, um, there's a lot of things that are going that way. Gaming very much it goes is going that way as well. I mean, I, I just spent um, the weekend interviewing quite a lot of independent gamers uh, at uh, uh, an expo in uh, Manchester in the UK, uh, and an awful lot of them I've gone through either uh, Greenlight, on, uh, which is the system on Steam, or um, have gone through Kickstarter uh, as ways of getting things funded. Um, and, and they're all community, they're both, you know, full blown community, um, you know, funding setups. So yeah, Tom Schaefer about his Kickstarter was like such an inspiration because they blew through their goal in like a matter of hours, I think. <laughs> and- yeah, well, it, it's it's Tim Schaefer, so I, I I'm not I'm not <laughs> totally surprised. I mean, you know, the, when you've got the legend that's behind like um, Monkey Island and uh, Full Throttle, which I adored as well, and and Psychonauts, <laughs> Psychonauts was uh, such an underrated game. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm uh, I, I'm not surprised that got picked up very quickly (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually interested yeah that's that'll be interesting to see how kind of gaming and uh or how how crowdfunding works in in movies as opposed to in gaming because i think um i'm curious about like what the budgets look like in those two things but also how like i mean gaming is such a just the community that that spreads when you have a really great game that brings in like all these players and how that could be tied into financing a game that's really interesting yeah 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 and i mean there's a few people i I know there's um who's the guy that i interviewed uh, Ron, Ron, I can't think of his last name. Uh, who who's just funded a funded a, a fantasy movie through uh, Kickstarter, you know. So so it, it's getting more and more popular as as a way of getting certainly smaller and more you know little independent things um, funded, which is fantastic because you get so much more variety out of uh, out of things rather than having to go through some massive studio system. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, um, it's funny. I, I saw something not to drag out the topic, but I did see this really cool article um, saying that apparently in the last few years there's been like a hundred million dollars invested in Kickstarter films, and there have been eight thousand movies made. And at first I was like, "Oh man, wow. that's not movies!" But then I then I like calculated it, and I'm like, "Holy crap, <laughs> a lot of movies!" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, and I think I think part of it is just the fact that the studio system got so big and so difficult to get into, and in, in the same way we gave 
games. You know, the uh, the publishers started to get so much control over over gaming that that uh, people wanted another way out. Um, and it's, I mean, with gaming in particular, it's kind of interesting because that's where gaming started was kind of guys building little games in their bedrooms and then <laughs> it got bigger and bigger and bigger and you had to have a studio and you had to have this big development team and then it's all kind of scaled back again now because so much people are you know so many people are, are mobile gaming so you can produce much smaller things and still make a perfectly good living out of it you know yeah totally yeah. i think the only thing the the one thing that i would that i've really learned from from being in kickstarter is uh i mean this is maybe the only downside um that instead of pitching to the people who are expecting to hear a pitch from you you're pitching to friends and family who do not are not used to you doing this <laughs> so so then like, you enter in all this like weird ethical gray area that I've been, you know, we've been trying to navigate this whole for like the last 30 days or so, you know, things like, do I want to promote this post on Facebook? You know, <laughs> yeah. do I want to pay for more people to see it. We, we didn't do that, by the way. <laughs> uh, we felt too weird about it. But then, there, then you, you know, you think my hypocrite and all these other things that we're doing, you know, uh, promoting on social media is just weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Particularly, I mean, it's, it, I, I don't know. It's, I, I think if, if you're, if you're on Twitter and you've got followers, I, I think that's perfectly valid. And if you've got a Facebook page for a project, I think that's perfectly reasonable as well. It's just weird if you're doing it on your own Facebook account, I think it gets slightly more dubious. <laughs> yeah, it de- definitely is weird. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see how kind of the, the ethics of that and the etiquette of crowdfunding evolve as it becomes, you know, more of an established model of, of making money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a bit more, uh, about you, you, is this the first kind of film you've made, or have you done other things in the past? <laughs> I've worked on, in a peripheral sense on a couple um, on a couple other short movies that my friends are making, but this is definitely by far the biggest capacity I've had on a film. Um, for Gisela as well, this is also her first full length film. Although she went to film school, so she has way more experience than I do. <laughs> um, I was yeah <laughs> on the first day. This I probably shouldn't tell you the story, but on the first day that we were filming, uh, she she said, "Here, uh, unload this tripod," and I I broke the tripod, <laughs> 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 and that's probably what she was looking for in a producer. So she kept me on <laughs> but i can't i can't even express how much i've learned and how um how interesting all of this is to me going forward um yeah it's been but it's been quite a ride yeah yeah, yeah. in terms of the subject matter um what's the most convincing theory of time travel you've heard while she would be doing the interviews oh man <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the jeopardy theme song is going on in my head right now <laughs> uh I think, um, I mean, maybe this is kind of a cop-out, uh, but, but the idea that you can travel close to the speed of light um, and then come back to Earth, theoretically, and it would be far in the future, um, yeah. that's probably, that seems like the most um, <laughs> doable is a weird word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know what like you mean. Yeah, no, I, I believe like that, that could work, um, but there's a lot of other cool theories. I also, we ended up talking to a lot of people um, about, um, different mental ways of traveling through time. There was a really cool interview that we did with a yogi um, where he was talking about in certain Vedic philosophies, you imagine that time doesn't really um, move forward naturally. It's, it's matter that transforms time. So if you can control the way that you physically experience the world, then you can control the way that you that you perceive time. So I think that that's also, that just kind of makes sense in my brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Um, I, I also think, I'm gonna, just going to, while I have a second, I'll put in my word for the idea that um, 
I like the idea that you can create a time machine, but you can't go further back in time than the day that it was created. Um, because that okay. explains why we haven't seen time travelers yet. And it can put out those, uh, those negative Nancy's like Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Just believe that it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the um, one of, one of my favorite uh, favorite things was the um, it, it was the thing uh, the uh, professor Brian Cox did. Uh, he does uh, they did the the uh, these things called the Faraday lectures, which are done in London. Um, they and they do a big sort of Christmas lecture, and he did a thing on um, how basically we're all traveling through time all the all the time and he does a yeah. thing with with uh with with lights and sort of moving moving lights at different speeds um to, <laughs> to, to, to show that you know if you if you set them off at sort of uh different ratios and different speeds they then one ends up going faster than the other it was a very kind of clever um but but yeah just to sort of prove the point that, that you know time is entirely relative to where you are you know <laughs> Yeah, definitely. That's funny. I'm imagining him. You said it was a Christmas lecture. Is he standing up there and shooting these lights like Merry Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're um they're all down at the uh in um the sort of uh the 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 place where Faraday made it most of his kind of discoveries. There's a a, a lecture theatre underneath. I'm trying to think. It's one of the big institutes in London. Uh, one of the big science institutes in London. It's where uh, and so and they still do these lectures every Christmas because they were sort of a big thing ever since since Faraday's day. So, so uh, cool. and they get guest people to come in. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, that was very cool. They're, they're, I don't know whether they're on YouTube actually, but they're worth looking up if you can find them. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention that to Gisela. That would be so cool to, to listen to or to watch. But yeah, he uh, as I say, I think he'd be a great person to talk to because he's very into all, all this stuff. He is he is a professor of physics after all, so <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, a certified badass. Really. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and you know, was in a was in a nineties pop band, so you know <laughs> <laughs> he can soundtrack the film and he'll be in. <laughs> um, so let's go with the obvious question: If you could go anywhere in time, where would you go? <laughs> I would probably go into the future. Um, uh, that's something that Giselle and I debate about a lot. Of, like, we want to go into the future, but how far? Because if you overshoot it, it could be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> or if you overshoot it, it could be really boring. Yeah. Um, I'd say about I'd say about two hundred years, maybe, um, because that seems like enough time that all all the problems that we're facing today. I mean, climate change and related issues that are kind of facing our planet. Um, we will have made some serious strides with those, and it'd be cool to see what we end up doing with that but i also want to see like actually you know what no <laughs> now i'm thinking about it and i'm thinking maybe a thousand years is better because apparently that's how long it's going to take to terraform mars and cool to see as well yeah that would be very cool to see how about <laughs> well, you? where did you go uh i don't know there is i yeah i i would quite like to see the future that would be um interesting yeah you know a couple of hundred years just to see kind of where we're at make sure the entire earth isn't underwater you know that sort of yeah. thing. Uh, um but you know um I, I think historical events would be would be quite interesting uh you know uh go back in time um Go 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 and stand on the uh, go and stand on the grassy knoll. See if there actually is somebody stood there with a, with a shock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that sort of thing. Yeah, it was funny because we were talking to a cryonicist, so she's she's working with the idea of human preservation, 
And yeah. we asked her, do you think that uh, cryogenic freezing is a form of time travel? And she said, oh, absolutely. Um, most people that I work with who, um, who are experts on this hope to be frozen precisely so that they can go forward in time and experience space travel in the future, which I thought was really interesting. So it's like you need to go – you need to make the time leap before you can make the space leap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, the the whole space travel thing when it comes to time travel is it does start to warp your brain slightly because until we can get to, the, you, you have got this issue of the fact that, that the further you travel away, the more, um, the faster you're going into time. So, you know, yeah. as you were saying, you know, so, so if you ever came back to Earth, it's going to be like way further into the future. So you'd have to find a way of traveling back in time to get back to where the same time you left, I guess. <laughs> just, just bank on there being a time machine when you get there in the future. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. shit, everyone I know is dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, kind of, uh, that, that, that would be kind of interesting. It would be nice to kind of go into the future and, 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 uh, and certainly see whether we've actually done anything with the time travel or whether we're still kind of abandoning space like we are at the moment, which is, is kind of sad. But Oh, yeah, no, I know. I was watching something about that last night. That's, that's really sad, actually. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen to that, but, um, but I've always dreamed of growing up in space, so I hope it gets revived. <laughs> yeah, no, it would be good. It would be, I mean, there was talk about kind of uh, starting doing more things towards Mars, which would be, uh, would be nice. I, you know, it'd be... It'd be good to investigate that planet a bit more, I think. <laughs> One of the coolest other documentaries I've seen recently um, was about the people who are applying for that, uh, you know, the the small colony that they're going to establish on Mars? Y- yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'd heard about that, yeah. Yeah, they had they had open applications, which I thought was, like, <laughs> beautiful and also insane. <laughs> but somebody did a really short film about the people who, who apply to do this, um, I might steal that idea and do another one. <laughs> it's such a cool idea for a full length too. Yeah, they they were there was a, a great quote, and I can't remember who it was off, but uh, I heard it this morning. It was like uh, somebody talking about going to Mars and uh, you know saying, you know, I'd love to live on Mars, I'd love to die on Mars, but preferably not on impact. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Draw the light. I quite like that. Um, so yeah, there's one last question, which uh, we always ask because we cover a lot of TV shows on uh, the website. So basically ask, what is your favorite TV show uh, or what TV show would you like to be involved with? Um, in, a, in a currently running TV show. Uh, yeah, go on. Currently running. Okay. Um, can I get a minute to think about it? Yep. Because there's a couple. It's I have to dig back in my brain to before we were working on the film. Because <laughs> ironically, <laughs> I've gotten so like far out from pop culture while I've been working on this. You, you know, you wouldn't believe how many actors we talk to. You say, "What's your favorite TV show?" And they're, t- they're they're you know actors on TV shows, and they're going, "I have no idea. I never get chance to watch anything." <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what's on TV right now. That's awesome. My favorite TV show. Um, and tell me if you're looking something for something more um, more plot related. Because I was going to say Battlestar Galactica, but you know. No, 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 that's that's fine. <laughs> My favorite thing on TV right now is actually John Oliver's Last Week Tonight. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge um, I'm a huge comedy fan, but I also like I love I love the way that he's bringing long form journalism into comedic um, 
a kind of political commentary. So that's that's really off the wall answer. I know. <laughs> I just go with Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I'll take John Oliver's uh, last week tonight. We actually get that over here, thankfully. Um, it, but that's a fantastic show. It's very funny. It runs on uh, Sky Atlantic over here because they own all of HBO's stuff. So that's funny. I can't imagine watching that show as a British person as opposed <laughs> to watching it. You're know, watching it as an American person. Always feels like getting schooled by a friend that you really look up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he is brilliant. I used to love John Oliver on the on the Daily Show. We well, get the Daily Show as well, but um, I used to love him on the Daily Show, and and he's. I'm so glad they gave him his own show. And the nice thing about that is it's kind of like the Daily Show, but with a bit more time and thought managing to put into yeah. it because they have a week to do it. You know, I think that's I think that's totally true. And there's it feels a little bit less like there's talking points being hashed out. Um, yeah, I'm curious. What did George Takei say to that question? Uh, oh no i i can't remember whether we asked him because uh it was the first podcast i ever did was was with judge decay uh and it was 2009 that was Uh, i imagine he would have said star trek i can't imagine he would have said anything (laughs) else but uh, that's totally amazing i can't imagine just like calling him and hearing like that voice come over the go over the microphone (laughs) no he was i I will say as well he was he was incredibly sweet i because it was the first podcast i did i was going through my kind of list of questions obviously incredibly nervous because not only is the first time i'd done a podcast it was the first you know he's like the most famous person i've i'd spoken to you know ever at the time (laughs) so um but i I got about three quarters of the way through my questions and completely lost my place and totally froze and was like "Uh, uh, i can't think what to say and he was really really sweet and just sort of managed to talk me through it and started asking me things and suddenly my head click back in and I started managing to get back into it but he was absolutely adorable he's one of one of the nicest guys just very very sweet very uh, was just lovely so uh yeah if you ever get a chance to talk to him talk to him because he's he's just brilliant oh you know I will <laughs> you will be able to avoid me <laughs> well that's great well all right well thank you so much for talking to me this was really fun yeah no th- thanks for uh thanks for coming on it's uh it's been really interesting great and well um good luck by the time this goes out you it will probably be monday next week so you will probably be well i would think you'll be fully funded by then <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah i think i think that we will be but um if you're if anybody you know wants to support the film we also have a um we have a page i can send you the url um it's on the new york foundation for the arts where you can actually make a donation and um i'm not sure how that works in the uk but in the u.s you can get it tax deducted um but there's a bunch of other ways that you know you can find us on facebook we have a website that's kind of in the making becoming slowly cooler and cooler (laughs) yeah um please tell people to check us out um i'd love to talk to more people about the film and about time travel so anything we can get it's been great to talk to you yeah great Um, you too, and I look forward to, to seeing it when it comes out. All right. Uh, peace out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'll see you later. All right, see ya. Bye.